You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, another week of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we're back here with you on a Monday, here with you every single weekday. Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky. You can follow the show on Twitter, it's at LO underscore Syracuse is our is that username. some dejection that I, I hear in your voice right now, Tim? We're, we're recording this fresh off of one of the best Sunday night games I've watched, actually. In uh, you're going to rub it in right off I'm the top? I'm not rubbing it in. I'm just noticing noticing a little tone here out of the gate. So uh, that's an unstoppable play that the Patriots have, by the way. And well, I love until that it was Patriots stoppable. Team. Until yeah. it was. But no, that's an unstoppable play. Yeah, I have no regrets on the play call whatsoever. I'm, of course, no, a Patriots you fan. You should, We're you should be about... proud of your Pats after tonight. You yeah. went on the road to Seattle, and you had a chance on the goal line. And, you know, we got the real uh, stop at the one-yard line that truly mattered way back when. So You know what? You know what? Uh, Chica- I'm from Chicago. You know what Chicago sports talk is going to be in, in the morning? Why didn't oh, no. the Bears, why don't they have Cam? That that's tomorrow's topic. That's tomorrow's topic. So like go yeah. go check out Locked On Bears or 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 any of your your other preferred uh, uh Chicago based podcasts. But that that's the topic tomorrow. Yeah. Well, you have compared Tommy DeVito, TD McCoy to Mitch Trubisky at times oh, on this podcast. So you know, I'm dejected maybe because of the Patriots one, but also because I just feel like we watched the same football game back again this weekend on yes, Saturday. Yes, we did. Syracuse is now 0-2. DeVito tossed for 32 passing yards. They lose by 11. 32. 3-2. Yeah, like, that how does that even happen? Mis- yeah, you're not misspeaking there. Right. And, and I know partially because of the injury, and we'll get into this game, and I'm sure we'll each break down the film as the week goes along and dissect just how much of this was O-line, how much of this was DeVito, how much of this was the wide receivers dropping a heck of a lot of passes from what it seemed like just watching the game. But, I mean, it's the same thing. The defense looked good, but the offense gets the ball in the red zone, and they just can't do a freaking thing. And it's just so, it's hopeless watching this offense try to play right now. And it's obviously early in the season, and maybe we shouldn't be too dejected. I do think there were several silver linings to get to in this game. Some young players stepped up. I think the defense is headed in a very good direction. Sean Tucker looked good at the running back position, getting a couple carries. Marlo I Wax li- on the defensive side of the yeah, ball. Yeah. looked great, too. I, I liked what Dino did, and I do think they, they did some things play-calling-wise that was a little bit different. But the results aren't there, and it needs to be more different. They've got to get the tight ends more involved. We'll have plenty of time to dissect this, but I think the biggest thing that you're upset about is the end of the game and Dino's strategy late. There was a coach on the Syracuse sideline, and he quit. He quit on his team. and it, It truly disgusted me to watch that because whenever you go into the homes of these recruits, by you stepping into that home, it says, I will never quit on you. doesn't matter what part of a game, how deep we are in the season, how far out of it we are. It says, I will not quit on you. The second you walk in, that is a, an unofficial contract that you sign by walking into someone's home and offering them a scholarship. And that's exactly what Dino Babers did to this team on Saturday against Pitt. Because you're looking at an 11-point game, all right? We're talking about a two-possession game. And I like to break down 
possession games as you've got like soft two possession games and you've got hard two possession games. Hard two possession games means, okay, 13, 14, 15, 16 points. Soft two possession games are anywhere between 9 and 11 points. And you had a chance there in a soft two possession game to potentially, now I know the offense had been absolute crap the entire game, but you're not out of the game. And that by by that happening, you have to coach to win the game. And Dino Babers did not do that. With four and a half minutes to go in this game, he just sat on his timeouts. He, he saved him up for winter. He went like Roy Williams on this situation. <laughs> I mean, how do you go and finish this game with three timeouts? Please yeah. explain that to me. It, it's inexcusable. And I know there's some people, I'm not here to call for Dino Babers' job. I don't think it's to that extreme. But if I see this again, I'm calling for the job because that is inexcusable on how you go about finishing this ball game. It, it was absolute garbage from the sidelines. And I, if I see that again, that'll be the last time I, I stand up for Dino Babers. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I mean, I don't think Syracuse had any shot of really winning the game, even if he did call the timeouts, but that's not the point. That's not why you do it. I mean, you do it to at least show some faith in your guys who are working their tail off out there. And it's you bring not up the word faith effort. there, okay? Yeah. <laughs> this is the guy who his entire mantra is faith without evidence, belief without evidence. And there was no evidence that Syracuse was going to come back and win that game. But if you're going to go out and preach that, you better believe it yourself, too. And he did not believe it one bit. Yeah. Walk the walk, talk the talk. I saw some funny tweets and comments online of fans saying, it's year five. Can we can we stop the belief without evidence thing? Can we actually yeah. get some evidence here? And obviously, I guess you could point to the, the 10 and 3 season and it just feels like that's such a distant, distant memory at this point because this team we're watching is just so hopeless on the offensive side of the ball. And it's such a defense shame. It's pretty good. The defense yeah. has put this team in a position to win two football games. And the offense looks absolutely lifeless. Lifeless. And, and I will say, I'll, I'll step back on what I said a little bit because I was still a little skeptical of the defense, even after what they did against UNC. And I know a lot of that was them getting tired at the end, but I was thinking UNC has not seen any film on this defense. Pitt is going to see some film. I mean, I, I predicted this game to be sloppy. I think I said 24-10 was the score prediction, so I was pretty much on the money there because mm -hmm. it ends up being 21-10. Uh, what we're seeing, I think, is a byproduct of the defense is always more developed in training camp in the offseason than the offenses at every level, at every team right now. Syracuse obviously that is the case but Pittsburgh is just not clicking on all cylinders on offense they don't have their full playbook they haven't figured out their personnel to the extent that they would like to but they do have enough constants like a Kenny Pickett who I mean DeVito should be better than Kenny Pickett he has no the tools it's just mentally Pickett like that that touchdown pass that Pickett threw in the first quarter I haven't seen DeVito make a pass that good in since 2018. I mean, it's I mean, it's Kenny Pickett, some of the throws that he made when he had time and when he was confident and he let that ball sling, he looked he looked like a guy who could be playing on Sundays. And I think we even saw that start to be talked up a little bit that 
could this guy be like QB5, QB6 in the upcoming NFL draft? Maybe. We're still far ways away. But the way that he made some of those throws, I, I was pretty impressed with a couple of them. And Pat Narduzzi, he says that he's the most underrated quarterback in the entire country. I'm not going to go that far, but he, he's in the team photo. Yeah, no, I, I thought he looked very good. And that's a good pit team. And it was a good North Carolina yeah, team. Yeah, they're, they're ranked 25th one. in the country. Yeah. You, yeah. You've gone out back-to-back road games. Or, yeah, back-to-back road games against ranked teams. And you've given yourself a chance to win in the fourth quarter both times. Right. And on one hand, yeah, they only lost by 11 in this game. So some people might listen to this and be like, why is our tone so down? But I don't know about you, Ty. They're down 11. And there's that point where Dino, you're hoping he's going to call timeouts. But even before then, when they get the ball, they had good field position sometimes. And I'm just like... The hidden yardage, and for those who don't know hidden yardage, hidden yardage is what is calculated as yards that pretty much they're special team yards that you gain. So punt returns, all that stuff, punt coverage, all that is considered hidden yardage. Syracuse, I don't have the stats, but Syracuse dominated the hidden yeah. yardage. They Again, dominated hidden yardage. Like. They dominated the turnover battle, and they still, even though it's an 11-point game, it felt like a Virginia basketball 11-point game where 11 feels like 20, 25 points. That's what this game felt like for this team because of the ineptitude on offense. You know how sometimes the SU basketball offense in recent years has gotten into like isolation based and it wasn't so much the case last year, but you just get to this point where it's just like a boring product to watch and it's like the same mistakes over and over. That's where I'm at with this football offense. I just, they get the ball back and I should be like, Hey, we just need one play to Taj Harris. Like if he just breaks free, they could knock off number 25 pit on the road and they're one and one. And this is a good start to the season. And, We're on here talking all rosy on this Monday, but I just have no faith in it. And and I don't know if that's me being too pessimistic. I really don't think it is, though, because you can't tell me if you're watching these games at home on your couch that you're seeing something in the offense that is inspiring that they are going to move the ball downfield when they need to. Because every time they get to a third down, they tighten up. DeVito tightens up. He can't make his reads. He's not quick enough. He gets sacked. Every time they get to the red zone, it's just sloppiness, and it's drop passes, and it's weird play calling, and it's DeVito doing the same thing where he's running and scrambling outside the pocket because he's not quick enough on decisions, or there's just tons of penetration on the offensive line. The offensive line, again, did not look good, and it's like not even newsworthy at this point. This is just what we've come to expect from the offense, which is so frustrating. Remember the people who were calling us out because we were predicting a three, four win season. And these guys were all pom-poms and whatnot saying, oh, this is a six to eight win team. (laughs) This team is a lot closer to zero wins than three. Yeah, they're six point dogs to Georgia Tech. And we'll get into that matchup. But I saw that as an opening line. At home too, yeah. Georgia Tech has played some good, solid football. Yeah. I mean, they beat Florida State and then lost to UCF pretty handedly. I think it was 49-21, but UCF is a very good team, so that's not... And they were moving the ball. Like What what they did with the ball, of of the three offenses that Syracuse will have played through three weeks, so we've seen UNC, we've seen Pitt, and I've watched both Georgia Tech games. 
Georgia Tech looks like they can move the ball the best out of any of those three. They've got the explosive play in their back pocket. In their back pocket, they've got a quarterback that can run. They look like a team that could pose a lot of trouble for the Syracuse defense. We got to take a quick break because we got to give the listeners out there a quick update on our favorite protein bar on the market. They are back, Built Bar. Six new amazing flavors to add to the repertoire here, including cookies and cream, which I cannot wait to try. You can order your next box today of these delicious protein bars that are somehow healthy for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your next order. Cannot say enough good things about these protein bars. We don't just rave about them for nothing. They seriously are the best protein bars I have ever tasted in my life, and they are great for you too. Low calories, low sugar, but somehow high protein and high fiber, and they taste like a candy bar. So stop everything you're doing. I promise you will not regret going to BuiltBar.com. Use our promo code Locked On. They'll get you $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. So on the quarterbacks for Syracuse, and I say quarterbacks because obviously Rex Culpepper did, did see some action, and... I mean, I saw you tweeted out a poll at halftime, and I think Culpepper was the majority by a little bit, if I remember correctly, to start the second half. You just simply asked, who who do you want to see start the second half? I'm not at that point, and I think Culpepper, after the awesome touchdown pass, which ESPN, yeah. Yeah, ESPN that- glossed right over the story, which is that he's coming back from cancer, and obviously he's... He's good now, but that's his first huge moment since that. And talk about it, at least just something that was cool to see in an otherwise really frustrating, boring football game from an SU perspective. It was great to see that. So definitely a good storyline. But I, I still think DeVito is is the guy there. And it's sad that I'm saying that because, again, DeVito was very, very underwhelming. As bad as DeVito was, this is the thing about this entire quarterback situation. Tommy DeVito was awful in that game. Rex Culpepper was not better. I mean, you can point at the touchdown, okay? Yeah, 69-yard touchdown to Taj Harris. Threw it on the money, great throw. But I will also say that was the best pass block that we saw out of the entire game on that play as well. I think DeVito could have made that throw if he was in the game. Outside of that throw, Rex Culpepper was 3 for 8 and 18 yards. And, and listen, DeVito's stat line, 9 of 15 for 32 yards. But 3 of 8 for 18 or 19 yards, whatever I just said, that is not good either. I don't know if there is a solution on this on this roster. And I don't think it's Rex Culpepper. If you're Dino Babers, do you start digging further down the depth chart? That's, that's I think, the question you're asking yourself in your office right now is do we have a freshman or a redshirt freshman who is ready and who can do something for this offense? Because right now, you're not getting anything out of QB1 or QB2. Yeah, I think a lot of people are calling for Dylan Markowitz or Jacoby and Morgan, and those are the two guys that traveled actually ahead of Summers, who is a little bit older than them, or at least has been with the program a little bit longer. To me, I mean, I think we're going to see Rex going forward. Just the way DeVito addressed in the think, press conference oh, okay. afterwards. No, so like, not starting. you think it's going to be a Rex-led? No, no. You think I, he... l- let me finish. Like, he, he's going to, we're going to see him in packages. Because okay. that's what Dino said in the press conferences. 
we have some Rex packages, and we just need that right now based on what we're putting out on offense. And Tommy knows that we have packages for both, and both those guys want to win is is what Dino said. My I'm going to read through that a little bit. I'm going to say that's more of a, I'm going to try to light a little fire under Tommy through the media. I'm not buying into, we're going to see a lot of Rex because, I mean, Rex looked like Uncle Rico out there at some points. I think he'd be used as a runner more than anything. Like they'll just bring him in as read option runs and stuff. But DeVito has used the legs pretty well. That's one thing that I'll give him. In this game, he had a couple moments where he was, able to break out of pressure and pick up six, eight, sometimes even a first down. He had some runs like that, but the overwhelming product throwing the ball wasn't very good. And that's why it's frustrating because you you can't put everything together. And again, the line had a, a very, very lackluster game. Once again, seven sacks allowed. And we even heard uh, the AC, like we talked about it on the prop shop. We set the number at seven and a half. The ACC network broadcasters were talking about, if you were to set an over-under on this, this, the amount of sacks that Syracuse was going to give up, they pinned it at seven. So we're right on the money there, Tim. But <laughs> that's that's the sad reality is you have to kind of bake in six to seven sacks allowed every single game, and you're not going to have an effective passing game if that's the end result. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll be curious to see what happens at Georgia Tech. Obviously, I think, Partially, this was DeVito got a little banged up, and they were looking for something else, so that's obviously why we saw a good amount of Rex in this game, but he comes in for that red zone carry, which just didn't really work, and it was weird because DeVito ran basically the same play, like the exact, the play right before Culpepper comes in and runs or runs it right up the middle. I think we will see him some, though, because why not? I mean... Again, it goes back to my point of let's make some changes. Let's throw some stuff at the wall here. Let's experiment because whatever you're doing right now is not working well enough. No, it's not working, obviously. I mean, you've got one touchdown through two weeks and you've been to the red zone, what, four or five times now? So there's no excuse for having just one touchdown. And and the one touchdown you did have was on an almost 70-yard play. So I'm going to be interested to see. I don't think... So I guess the way that we frame it now is, does someone at QB3 or deeper on the depth chart take a meaningful snap for the rest of the season? Because that's what I'm looking for right now. So you don't think so. I hope. I mean, I wouldn't be against it, but yeah, at this point, throw anything against the wall because it feels like you're doing the same old, same old time and time again. You might, it's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That feels what like what this team is going through right now. They are putting out the same product game after game after game right now. And it's giving you the same result, a dud of an offense. And this dates back to last year, too. I mean, there were so many games, even the games that some that Syracuse won, they kind of won ugly at times. I mean, you think about the the Duke game or the Wake Forest game. It, there were some ugly wins that were mixed in there. And, and this pick game, you know what this game reminded me of? Probably the the other most frustrating game of of the Dino Babers era is that NC State game from a year ago, and yeah, it's just you had a chance that entire game. The, so the game sloppy. was being served to you on a platter, and you just did not take it. You stiff armed the the game being handed to you multiple times, and we've seen that now in both games for Syracuse here in twenty twenty. 
I can understand, and I know our buddy James Zuba had a funny tweet saying, no one loves QB2 more than Syracuse fans. Yeah, that was great. He's great on Twitter, yeah. I can understand why people are upset, though, because, I mean, obviously we're in that category, too, but upset more specifically about DeVito because he has had one good game since 2018. It was Western Michigan. That's all we've seen. That's the only time that I've seen him look somewhat like he did against North Carolina when he came in 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 relief in 2018, or even Florida State, which wasn't like an all-time performance, but at least he wasn't getting sacked every time, and he just looked a little more poised in the pocket. So for you to be like getting worse over time is concerning, and obviously the variables around him are getting a lot worse too. There were some drop passes in this game. And then the other thing is, the chemistry with Taj Harris is just, it's getting to it's a off. point where yeah. it's like that. You're seeing hands in the air after every miscommunication. It's yeah, it's embarrassing. I mean, they clearly don't like each other, and we shouldn't be able to tell that. And it's just getting to the point where it's, it's almost like a couple that you know is just like never actually going to work out, but they always get back together, and they're always just trying and trying and trying. And I just have no feeling that they like each other on the football field right now. Like Taj, I saw one third down when I was watching back. I started watching back the first quarter and Taj is wide open in the flat. He is not to the first down marker. Like it would require him getting some yak, which we know he can do to get the first down. But DeVito's kind of flushed out of the pocket, looks at him and doesn't throw to him. And Taj just puts his hands right in the air. I don't know if people remember this play, but it happens all the time. And Taj goes to the sideline with his hands in the air. And you wonder, like, he's probably doing it even more when the cameras aren't showing it. I I just, uh, that part to me, if you're Taj, you've now got three touchdowns in the last two years, and two of them are not from DeVito. Clayton Welch threw a bomb to you, and Rex Culpepper comes in and hits you in stride for the most part. And that's like the only time we've seen Taj look like we know Taj can look like because DeVito and him just are never on the same page and it's getting so annoying. And it's not for a lack of trying either. I mean, he had 15 targets the first time. There's just a clear disconnect. And I think on top of that too, you look at the, just the entire Syracuse score. And here, here's the problem with the, the passing game right now is they can't take these downfield shots. I'm looking right now. I mean, Okay, so Syracuse had five guys catch a pass, okay? Four of them had three receptions apiece. Your average yards per reception is pitiful. Okay, Markenzie Pierre, he had one for two yards. He's a running back. I'm not really putting much stock into that. Nikeem Johnson, three for 13, so a little over four yards per per catch. Courtney Jackson, three for 15, five yards per catch. Queeley, three for 18, six yards per catch. Taj, 3 for 72, that's 24 yards per catch, but you got 69 of them on one play. So now you're going two catches for three yards on the other two. And it's just, there's no downfield push from this team. They can't do it. And it starts with the quarterback, it starts with the offensive line, but I would love to see some all-22 footage of this team because I think it would be glaring, and I think we'd get a lot of answers. And I know that stuff is kind of locked up, like some some hidden files like the the national (laughs) treasure but i would love to see it because i think we would see so many glaring things with this passing game 
All right, so should we get to the positive from this game, which is there the was defense? a positive. Yeah, yes, we're. I'm sorry to the the people out there that don't like when we're positive, but this is what it calls for right now. So anyway, our, our grumpiness on the offense. We're we're done with that for now. Let's talk about the positives on the defense. We will side get to of more of it because there's plenty oh, yeah. to get to. We're <laughs> gonna break it down all week long. Yeah, that's the beauty of having every single weekday and tons of time to discuss this. We can really get into the nuts and bolts of what they're doing wrong on offense, which we will. On defense, a couple things. Michael Jones or Mikel, I, I still don't really know how to properly say his first name. I feel like Every announcer says it differently. I guess the media guide kind of says Mikel, so I'm going to roll with that. But Mikel is kind of turned into Andre Sisco a little bit. Yeah, I tweeted about this during the game. Basically saying, I mean, he's got a nose for the ball. He's recovered a fumble, and he's got two picks. He's around the ball. He's making some tackles, too. Listen, this defense has played unbelievably well. I'm very impressed, and, and... both you and I were a little skeptical of, okay, you got a lot of young guys out there. How is this thing going to work out? You got a new scheme that you're introducing as well. What's this team going to look like defensively? And I got to say, I mean, this team, now I don't think Pitt's some total game-breaking offense, but UNC, while they were out of sync a little bit, I, I was, I've been impressed with the way that this team not only has just contained teams defensively but also you're forcing a lot of turnovers once again i mean what now that's back-to-back games of three turnovers if you're giving your offense three extra possessions that that's that should be enough to win every single game especially if you're telling me you've got an 11 point loss and the other game was a a four point game heading into the fourth quarter that should be enough to win and this offense isn't getting it done and it's sad because you are wasting a very very good defense right now yeah, great to see Jones progressing. I thought Thompson looked pretty good. Marlo Wax gets some run, as we mentioned. Tyrell Richards plays. Garrett in the Williams. Game. I believe Garrett Williams was the highest rated defensive player per PFF. And I know a week ago, the, the highest rated offensive player was Tommy DeVito. The highest rated Syracuse player, in fact, was Tommy DeVito. But in this game, I believe I saw Garrett Williams was the highest rated defensive player per PFF, which is very nice to see out of a a freshman cornerback. Yeah, they're definitely targeting Williams a lot, and they were going after Carter in this game a lot. And Carter played a lot of minutes. He leads the team in tackles. Love the team in tackles, yeah. Yeah, nine tackles, seven solo tackles, one tackle, four loss. I'll have to go back and watch the film entirely, but it seems to me like Eric Coley was out from this game. I did not see him at all. Maybe I missed him. If anyone saw him, feel free to tweet at us because I I didn't see him from watching the broadcast the first time over, and it seemed like Carter was playing in Coley's position. So good to see him get some run. You've now had Williams lead the team in tackles in week one in his first game, and then Carter leads the team in tackles in his, really, his first game. I think he may have played a couple downs against North Carolina, but we can count this as his basically unofficial first game entirely. And, I mean, I, I this defense is great. I really think Tony White, it's two games. All you can do is really overreact, right? But I love it. I, I think Tony White is here to stay for a while, and I'm very excited about the direction the defense is going. These are a lot of young guys, too, that we're talking about. Canton Arku and Williams and 
even if he is like still pretty young and he has another good game, Cody Roscoe gets in, an older guy who's a transfer, he makes a nice tackle for a loss. So it's a deep defense. The problem is they're just getting tired late in games. And I mean, if you ask them to hold Pitt to 21 points, that should be good enough to at least make it a one possession. At least get game. you to I mean, overtime. Yeah. yeah. Give you a chance like, at the end. And listen, they did have a chance. The coach just quit on the team. So <laughs> that's just true. <laughs> there's only so much you can. And if I'm on the defensive side of the ball, I am demanding a, a meeting with Coach Babers because you put your heart and soul out there. A kumbaya you, meeting. Yeah. You gave your team a chance to win. And the coach flat out quit on you because one side of the ball couldn't get it done. Special teams was pretty good once again. The defense was fantastic again. And then the offense lays another egg. So if I'm on the defensive side of the ball, I I want answers from my coach right now because that was a, a total, a total give up on his end. But a lot of promising things. And again, it, it feels like we're going to see this script time and time again. And I know they didn't allow any points in the fourth quarter, but... You can tell these guys are tired in that fourth quarter. And the depth, I think, is going to hurt this team a lot more as we keep getting deeper and deeper into the season, especially if this team is really, really bad and guys start to check out mentally and physically during the games. Things could look very, very ugly, but I do think that the defense has been phenomenal. They're forcing those those havoc plays with the turnovers. Not getting into the backfield as much as you would probably like. They did have three sacks in this game, but there's there's a lot to be. You get a little like ray of sunshine out of this by yeah. watching this this Syracuse defense. And I mean, Andre Cisco he made some fantastic tackles, especially in the red zone. A couple of them that maybe saved some touchdowns. So I thought he had another good game. And then Trill Williams. It continues to be phenomenal. Garrett Williams, who we already hit on, he's been really good. Iffy, I mean, you just can't attack Iffy anymore because he's been that good. And, I mean, the, the defensive backfield and then the linebackers have overachieved. And remember at the start of the season when we talked about the linebackers, we kind of said, all right, yeah, they're, they're tier three of the three groups of defensive players, but don't be surprised if they end up being the second best unit out of them. And I think we are starting to see that out of them with guys like Mikel Jones, with Stephon Thompson, with Jeff Cantonarku. All these guys are stepping up. And I mean, Stephon Lint or um, Stephen Linton too. He he didn't do much in this game, but and, and then Tyrell Richards was back too, and right. he got a sack. So you're seeing some good things out of this defense, and I think the linebacking play is definitely one of the biggest bright spots, especially since they're a very young group too. So they're going to continue to build on this as we keep going. I'll be very interested to watch them go up against Georgia Tech because I think now in week three, we could just see a little bit. Yeah, I want to see them against a running quarterback because Sims yeah. is going to run a little bit. Right, and Georgia Tech, like you said, has looked very clean on offense for having a true freshman quarterback in Sims. We will dive into this matchup plenty more, but the one thing I'll say on the defense before we get out of here, it just looks different. And I know some of it in the success is talent-based. They do have a lot of talent, most notably in the secondary group. You can't deny that this just on paper looks like a better unit than the offense to begin with. But even scheme-wise, I feel like they went outside of in-staff and they brought in a guy who is a great hire. I mean, it would have been... I think basically they did their homework, they tried something different, and it just it comes across that way. There's a schematic difference to it. It's not 
appallingly different, and it's still early in this new system, but that's what's refreshing to me when you watch the defense compared to the offense. The offense looks like Dino just got one of his guys to come in, and they're running back the same type of plays. Maybe there's a couple more tweaks, and we can talk about at some point this week how the tight end production, I know you you came across a tweet on Oh, on those Gilbert's. stats are, yeah. are very alarming. Yeah, and I think we retweeted that at yeah. LO underscore Syracuse, so if you want to check that out. But it's alarming that he hasn't really utilized the tight ends, that being Sterling Gilbert at all. So anything else for you on the defense or or the game in general before we kind of wrap up here? Yeah, I mean, the, the students are going to get their, their sales tax covered on the, oh, right. uh, the 10 points. <laughs> so 10% off at the bookstore. So rah, rah. But no, I, I mean, again, I think we're going to see this script for a lot of games. And I think another topic that we have to address this week is the possibility of winning zero ACC games. Because I think that door is, it was ajar last week. And I think it is, it, it's more than cracked now. Because yeah. that th- this is not a good offensive team. And to see the stark difference, and, and kind of like what you said too, they went out and tried something new defensively, new for them, all right? It's not the newest thing in college football. It's around a little bit, but you're, I'd say you're in the, the upper third, upper quarter of teams that are, are doing something different defensively. You did that when you initially hired Dino Babers. Now it's about adapting. And this offense just is not adapting to what's going on in college football right now. You don't you don't have a guy who can run the ball and throw the ball and always be that constant dual threat on this roster right now, and I think that's a problem for this team. All right, that'll do it for the Monday edition. We'll be back tomorrow on the show here with you every single weekday. I think I'm going to watch back some more of the film. I know you were saying that, Ty, yep. before we started. So maybe we'll do some film breakdown tomorrow and, and hit on some stuff that we come across when we actually dive into the film some more. So be on the lookout for that wherever you get your podcast. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. Tuesday.